Shop Woodhouse Ford first and experience the difference. The all-new 2022 Bronco Sport is built wild for the thrill seeker, the sightseer, and the day tripper. A capable and dependable SUV that's ready to tackle the dirt, dust, and mud. Bronco Sport offers four models to match the way you explore the outdoors. Shop, finance, and buy your way. Online at WoodhouseFord.com or one of our three convenient Ford locations in Blair, Omaha, or Plattsmith. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Liftoff will start in T minus 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Hey, everybody. This is Craig Ackerman, TV play-by-play announcer for the Houston Rockets. This is Chris Chavez. This is your boy, Easy, a.k.a. Raheel Ramzanali. It's Sean from Shots and Thoughts. This is Timoteo Keister. What up, what up? It's Roosh Williams, the Mastodon himself. This is Devin White, a.k.a. The Gentleman. It's your boy, Von Wafer, former Houston Rocket, retired professional NBA basketball player. Five, four, three, two, one. We have ignition. You are listening to the Summit State of Mind podcast. What is going on, everyone? You are listening to the Summit State of Mind, the podcast of Drew Shakes and Stepbacks and everything Houston Rockets, presented by the Minute Media Podcast Network and the official podcast to fan site. It's Houston Rockets' website, spacecityscoop.com. I am your host, your commissioner, Kenny, and of course, with me as always is my brother, my tag team partner, the GM, Justin. GM, how's it going today, man? How you doing? Tuesday afternoon towards the evening. How you doing today? Oh, man. It's all right. It's good. Nothing too crazy. It was a dreary day. Actually, it's been a dreary two days, so... Everything has been a little bit, I guess you can, it's been dragging a little bit, but not nothing too bad. Nothing you can't handle. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. I know. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited for this episode and I know you're excited. Um, Absolutely. My, my brother's very excited because for the first time ever, we have a brand new guest that we have to introduce to the summit. It's his first time ever on the show. I'm known for my intros. I hope I can do this man justice because he deserves it. Let's see if I let's see if I did my research correctly. All right, here we go. He was a three-time All Pac-10 Conference guard for the Washington Huskies. He also played for the CBA and the PBA, the Philippine Basketball Association. He is also <laughs> a retired professional NBA basketball player who's played for five NBA teams, including our Houston Rockets, when they were the two-time defending champs. He averaged 41% from three his entire NBA career, and he is currently a basketball analyst for the Pac-12 Network. Introducing, for the first time, Houston Rocket alumni, Eldridge Rickasner at the Summit. Eldridge, how you doing today, man? I'm good, man. How are you guys? Oh, man. Better now, that's for sure. Excited. <laughs> Excited, man. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. It's the like, PBA, yeah. the Filipino Basketball Association. Yeah. <laughs> The Presto Ice Cream Kings. You guys is digging deep for that one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> we're, Filip- we're Filipinos. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was really we had, cool. We had, to, we had to mention oh, it just a little man, bit. Man, that was the know? craziest thing down there. You know, they. Uh, I've never seen heat like that before in my life. I think I lost 20 pounds in one week. It was hot as <laughs> hell down there. But the crowds were, the crowds were amazing. We probably were getting 15,000, 16,000 people a game. Yeah. It was, oh, man. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Philippines. I think I averaged 
averaged 47 points a game, but they told me I was a bum. <laughs> <laughs> 40, what? What was everyone? 47, man. Yeah. Was everybody averaging 60? That must well, have one been. One guy named Tony Harris scored 96. I heard he had 102 points, and I didn't want to believe it until he scored 96 against my team. So I think they were measuring everybody by Tony Harris, but he just was a phenomenal athlete, man. And uh, I don't know what he was averaging over there, but he had 102 points against somebody's team and he had 96. And I'm talking about in a 40-minute game, 96 points against my team, the Presto Ice Cream Kings. It was amazing. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Was it like Tony watching Harris like a modern-day really Steph world. Curry? Huh? <laughs> it was like watching Steph Curry, right? <laughs> oh, it was amazing, man. And the crazy part about it is he would dunk out in all the warm-ups. He would dunk out at halftime, play the whole 40 minutes of the game, and never got tired. Unbelievable. Yep. What an athlete. Yeah, he was amazing. He yeah. really was. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. But we're not here to talk about Tony. We're not here to talk about Mr. Harris. We're here to talk about Eldridge Rickasner. We're so excited just to have you on. You know, you're a, you're a former Rocket. And for, I guess, a lot of our listeners are like right around my right around our age. I'm like, I'm 29. The GM's 32. 32 mm-hmm. right 32 mm-hmm. and we have a lot of younger fans so a lot of younger fans that are, were in that became rockets fans around the james harden era now eldridge you played in a, another time you played you know in the 90s when it was all about michael jordan you played in the nba around that time hakeem olajuwon was at the peak of his powers i just want to know your journey i'm curious uh Tell us your story about like how you got into the NBA from college and uh, what the journey was like. Cause I know you didn't directly go to the NBA. Is that correct? You, yeah, correct. Yep. You went to, you went to the CBA and the PBA before you got there. Correct. So yeah, correct. tell the people your journey, man. And we just want to, we're curious about it and let's, let's get your journey all the way up to uh, all the way up to the Rockets and then we'll go from there. Okay. Sounds good. So yeah, I, I uh, originally from New Orleans, Louisiana um, was going to go to Louisiana tech. All your listeners, if they're, Real NBA fans, they'll remember Carl Malone was playing at Louisiana Tech back in his college yes, days. Yes, <laughs> So that was uh, the place that was recruiting me the most. A guy named Andy Russo was the head coach there. Carl Malone was a, the hot player. I think they made it to the Sweet 16 at Elite Eight that year. And uh, Carl went pro. He went hardship. Um, the second school that was recruiting me was Creighton University. All your listeners know who Willis Reed is. They might not remember Benoit Benjamin, but Benoit Benjamin was a seven-footer. Mm-hmm. Didn't um didn't um Kyle Korver go to Creighton as well? Yep, yep. Yeah, see, yep. yeah, man, yep. that's that's alumni right there. Doug McDermott went to Creighton. Yes, yep. Dougie yep. McBuckets, yep. our friend, loves him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, Andy Russo was a hot young coach in America, and Marv Harshman had retired at the University of Washington. So he asked me if I wanted to go to the University of Washington. I told him no. But my dad made the decision. He said, yeah, you're going. That's the Pac-10. That's UCLA. That's USC. It's a great conference. So I ended up at the University of Washington three times all Pac-10, but I didn't get drafted. Uh, Gary Payton was the best player in our league in that time in 1990 when I came out, and I thought I was the second best player, but I didn't get drafted. So my first year, I went overseas. I went to Germany. I played in the – it's called the Bundesliga. I came back and played in a, uh, a league called the GBA, the Global Basketball Association, it folded halfway through the season. We had a uh, legendary Johnny Newman who played at Ole Miss was our coach. Yes, we played yes. with the red, white, and but we played with all white ball. Uh, so they mm. was trying to distinguish themselves. That didn't work out. So then I went to the CBA, played for the Yakima Sun Kings for two and a half seasons. But I ended up going to the Philippines, down in Manila in the PBA. I played for the Presto Ice Cream Kings there. 
came back, uh, won MVP of the CBA, and I got a 10-day call up by the Denver Nuggets um, in March of 1995. Uh, I did my 10-day. Mm-hmm. I got cut, went back down to the CBA. Um, and then that summer, man, we won a championship. I was named MVP of the CBA, and I got a call from the Houston Rockets, said they wanted to bring me in for a workout. I did a one-on-one workout with Rudy. I'll never forget it. All we did was shoot. So I was like, wow, if all we're going to do is shoot, I'm going to be all right. (laughs) My first workout didn't didn't go real well. I didn't think I shot the ball as well as I could because I was was really nervous. You know, you're working out Mm -hmm. with a coach that just won two back-to-back championships. And it was just me and Rudy. There was nobody else in the gym. But I was kind of like in awe because I was just watching Rudy on TV, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So – I asked him, could I do it again? And he said, sure. So the second time we went through the workout, I I shot the lights out. um, Ended up signing a one-year deal with the Rockets. And like you said, that was 95, 96, right after they won back-to-back championships with Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, Sam Cassell, Kenny Smith, Robert Ory, Mario Ellie. You know, I'm I'm wearing wearing my little Rockets shooting shirt from from 95, 96. That's right. I love it. This is actually Charles Jones shooting shirt. I don't know how I ended up with it, but I got it. Where's your shoot? I forgot to ask, where was your shooting shirt? I have no idea. We had a guy named DH was the equipment manager back then, man. So I don't know. You know, back in those days, NBA just wouldn't give you stuff, you know, so I I probably saw this laying around somewhere. Honestly, probably just took it. I'm imagining that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, man. They say finders keepers. Yes, and like, sir. you know, for, for the kids that don't know, Charles Jones was the backup yep. for Hakeem through those years. And I remember him playing like his good 10 minutes a game, just drawing the fouls, making sure to just be that guy to give Hakeem rest. And he seemed like the nicest dude. But never, I remember seeing him in celebrations and he just seemed like such a nice guy. Oh, he's a great guy. I still, I still mm-hmm. keep in touch with him. We still talk via Facebook. But I'll tell you guys this. This is probably something you guys don't know. It's probably something most of the fans don't know. Mm-hmm. Charles Jones was one of the few guys that could guard Elijah Wan one-on-one. So the rumor when I was with the Rockets was the reason mm-hmm. the Rockets signed him was because they didn't want anybody else to pick him up. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> <I> don't <laughs> Because back then we used to practice at Houston Baptist University. Mm-hmm. And I just oh. remember one day in practice, man, uh, Charles must have blocked dream shots like four – Four times in a row. And Dream was pissed. He <laughs> round turned to me and said, that's why we signed Charles Jones. He's the only guy in the league that could guard Elijah Warren one-on-one. So they didn't want anybody else to pick him up. But like you said, just a great guy, man. Yeah. I love it, man. That, I do. You know, you know what that is? That's, that's big. You know, it, it's a saying nowadays. It's like, that's some big mm. brain. You're thinking ahead. That's Rudy T. That's the front office. Like, no, no, no. We're going to get that guy that we know can guard the best center on the planet I'm going to put him on our team so we can't yeah, guard him. <laughs> That's exactly what I think went down. Yep. Yeah, yep. man. We call, we call Charles old school, man. I just remember <laughs> you guys are probably too young to remember. And I know the place isn't open anymore, but there used to be a nightclub right by the Astrodome called Grammys. And after Ooh. every game, that's where Charles went. Charles went to Grammys. He was posted up at the bar, man. He was like the VIP of all VIPs in there. He's oh, always man. trying to get me to go, but I wasn't really a nightclub and drinking dude. So, uh, but I still teasing today about going to Grammys. Oh man, that's <laughs> awesome! Could you imagine if I'm social in- media was a thing there too? If, if oh, social media man. wasn't a thing at the time, back then we would all been in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. You were a ten day with Denver, like you. I can imagine you hanging out with Jalen Rose for ten days, and you know Jalen Rose, like he was Jaylen a Rose, party uh, animal, man. Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf was on that team. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I was oh, so nervous man. on my 10 day, man. And one of my yeah. good friends, Dale Ellis, was a veteran on the Denver Nuggets team. And former I remember Supersonic I got fouled. Was... Dale Ellis? Excuse me? Former Supersonic, right? Yep. Former Supersonic <laughs> oh, okay. Dale Ellis. Yeah. Thought, yeah, yeah. Dale was on that team. And uh, mm-hmm. I got in one time. I was actually filling in for, for my high school teammate, which is a weird, weird thing, man. Me and Robert Pack, who played for the Denver Nuggets back then, mm-hmm. went to high school together. So he got hurt. And I filled in for him on a 10 day. But I remember getting fouled and being at the free throw line. And I was just getting heckled by Dale Ellis, who was my teammate. <laughs> I couldn't get over it, man. I was so damn nervous. I was like, Dale, let me call oh, man. <laughs> he was really giving me a bad time. But yeah, that oh, was a great man. team coached by uh, the great Bernie Bickerstaff. Yep. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Bernie, Bernie Bickerstaff, Bickerstaff. Senior. Wow. Yeah. Senior. Yep. That's right. Yeah. That's that's so cool because it, it just goes to show that no matter what day and age it is, whether it be that. 80s 90s or 2000s or to right now like in terms of heckling your teammates your own teammates like when they're oh, man. that's a thing nowadays you know i mean like i was it, stunned it, i was like come on Dale. i thought we was boys you know we used to work <laughs> out together here in the off season in seattle because like you said oh, man. played for the sonics before that but uh it was just funny games to him but my damn life was on the line in my career man so i was really nervous it's different it's different Touché. for other people that's right it's different strokes yeah for different folks after no it's true it's true man <laughs> you know like What's it called? So, like, if we're going to, like, let's uh, go on based on your rocket to New York. Because, I mean, you played with greats, like you said, like Sam Cassell, Kenny Smith, and Clyde, man. You were in the backcourt alongside those guys, including yeah. Mario Ellie. Like, when you were there practicing and playing with them and learning from them, were you able to incorporate any part of their games into your own? You know, I... Uh... I pretty much had my own style, man. I was uh-huh. I was a 27-year-old rookie, and I remember Rudy always calling me Rook, you know, for rookie. <laughs> and I'm like, Coach, I'm older than half the damn team because obviously I was older than Sam Cassell. That's right. I was older right. than Robert Ory, mm-hmm. uh, Dream and Clyde, mm-hmm. Charles, obviously. Uh, Mario was older than me, but a lot of the guys were, were younger than I was mm-hmm. for being a rookie. And uh, I just tried to learn as much as I could from from guys like Clyde Drexler. And even Elijah Wan, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but every guard wants to play in the post and every big man wants to play on the perimeter. That's just kind of how it was back in that day. So I used to watch Dream and watch how he post up and do the Dream Shake and all that stuff and tried to learn as much as I could from him. But guys like Kenny Smith, man, was just a really smart player that went to Carolina. Kenny knew all the tricks. And of course, Sam. Sam Mm -hmm. wasn't a great athlete. He couldn't jump. He wasn't quick, but he always just find a way to score. So we used to have some real tough battles in practices, man. Practice, oh, man. practice was pretty interesting. Like I said, back then we used to practice at Houston <clears throat> Baptist University and training camp was always in Galveston in those <clears throat> days. Oh man. See, I remember that they talked about that during the championship years, like um, that they would do training camp over there. And I thought it was so interesting because I mean, it's kind of like we're going to hide away for what, how many weeks, like a week, two weeks, two and weeks, just, yeah. we're just going to lock it yeah. down. Nothing. We're just going to do all basketball and then, We'll go on from there. I think that's really cool, though, man. I love hearing that because at that point in time when I was a kid, like that's how I grew up. Like my earliest memories of the Rockets were the championship years. Like my dad was all about that. He would uh, always put the games on and during the championship years, it always get loud. He'd literally get pans and pots and pans and be banging (laughs) on them. And I I, I remember. I remember like 95, 96, because I was confused when the, I mean, I was only five, six years old. So, I mean, obviously I was accustomed to seeing the red jerseys and they changed. I was so confused, but I actually really liked them. I mean, I hate to admit that, but I loved them, but um, you know, like just overall, like that whole season, I remember vividly that Sonic series 
Mm-hmm. And that 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 one hurt, man. I remember as a kid, like watching that, and that was just horrible. But I did read that during the season, man, like your big breakout game came against the Sonics. Well, it was a home team, so you know I wanted to play well against them. I wasn't, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I had played against yeah. Gary for four years in college, so I knew Gary's game. I wasn't intimidated. Uh huh. I love that, so, man. Yeah. You yeah. always look forward when you when you when you play against your home team. There's no doubt about that. And you're not oh, the only man. one that didn't like this pinstripe. Red, white, and blue uniforms. The whole mm-hmm. damn team hated them. You know. Oh, see, that makes sense. It, yeah. It was it was mind-boggling to me. You win two championships and you change the jerseys. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you guys probably know this, just like all the other fans. It's never up to the players. They never they never pull the players and say, "Hey, we're thinking about changing the uniforms," or mm-hmm. "We're thinking about changing the game balls." You know, the organization in the league just take it upon themselves to do it. And uh, man, those uniforms were thick and they were heavy. They were uncomfortable <laughs> as hell. They look good on yeah. TV. Yeah. yeah. They were uncomfortable compared to the, the red and yellow ones. Oh, yeah. man. Yes. Yeah, I, I had an authentic jersey you way did. back and in the day. Weight and to it. That pinstripe. Oh, man. The extra yeah. stitching Eldridge. It added that extra weight to it. Yeah. It was- <laughs> oh, they were heavy material, man. They were, I mean, they were the, the red and yellow ones. They had the numbers stitched on them, but they were a lighter mm. weight material. Those, yeah. those pinstripe rocket uniforms with the rocket taken off, man, they, they were heavy, man. I'm telling you guys. That's why we. That's why we didn't get. That's why we didn't three peat, man. I blame the jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I had to I do it. it. I had to do it. All right, let's continue on as we talk about the Rockets with Eldridge Kasner. But before we do, we need to put out an ad. There's a very big thing happening this Friday. That's right. From this recording, from here right now, February first, there's something happening big this Friday. February 4th at Urban South. GM, what is happening at Urban South this Friday? Oh, and the Rockets are playing. So, hmm. GM, I'm going to lob it up to you now. Tell the people where they need to go and who they need to know. So, do y'all have plans Friday night? Well, if you don't, now you do. So the Summit State of Mind is hosting a Houston Rockets watch party on February 4th at Urban South Brewery in Houston, Texas. So what's going on over there? We got plenty of things happening. But first of all, let's talk about the brewery, Urban South. They got plenty of great beers on tap for you guys. You got the the normal beers like your lagers, your pilsners, your stouts, your IPAs. They got it all. But also, let's think about for the niche flavor types. They got some nice fruited smoothie sours, some spilled, double spilleds. They even have seltzers. Let's talk about that. They have wonderful options to drink and options for everyone. All right. But then also, we got giveaways planned for everybody that attends. That's right, giveaways. So in the first quarter, we'll be giving away Rush Bowls Houston package. In the second quarter, we have, I believe, Seaside Poke with a shirt. And then for the third quarter, we got another shirt paired with Be More Pacific. And for the fourth quarter, we got a Rockets giveaway package. That's right. So thank you to our sponsors. We also have vendors. We got Day Off going over there, selling their clothes, and they might be selling some merch of other people's stuff, if you get my drift. We also got the Burger Daddy serving up some nice burgers and fries for us. Whoever goes there, it will be a great, wonderful, and fun time. So make sure to come by and grab a beer with your boys from the Summit State of Mind. And also, our guest hosts... 
one of our dudes who met us at the summit before, Roosh Williams. We all know him through Rocket Twitter. He is a great dude. We're about to have some fun. We also got Shots and Thoughts Podcast, who just finished their finale last week. They're coming through, and they're about to have some fun with us. So let's go about it, guys. So meet us there, February 4th, and meet us at the summit at Urban South Brewery. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is your boy, Heezy, a.k.a. Raheel Ramzanali, and you are listening to the Summit State of Mind podcast. Okay, so you mentioned Dream, how you wanted to play in the post. I was just curious to know if you have any funny stories about Dream, because me and my brother, we've actually met Dream at different occasions in our life. Like, my brother used to work at Lifetime, you know and yeah yeah i did i did met uh met him at lifetime he was a regular would come at 5 30 a.m every morning uh would always say hi very, very very nice very nice person very cool but uh you know it was it was an experience it really was you know getting to see him and getting to meet him was really cool so oh, oh yeah. yeah no i got some great stories man you know because like i said i played in the cba so i went from a little town called yakima to sign in with the houston rockers and i was just like a deer in the headlights you know mm. he, you know four or five months before that I was watching the Rockets on TV winning the world championship. And now, you know, I, I'm standing out there, I'm going head to head with Kenny Smith, Sam Cassell, and I'm, I'm playing with and against Clyde Drexler and Akeem Olajuwon. And I, and I believe my rookie year, 95, 96, I started, I started 30 games that season, but mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you guys a funny story. I remember shooting like a 12 to 15 foot pull-up jumper, a shot I've shot my whole life that I make most of the time. Uh-huh. And obviously I must have missed the shot. And Dream pulled me to the side and said, that was a bad shot. And I was like, what do you mean that was a bad shot? I've been making that shot my whole life. He was like, no, that's a bad shot. If you want a shot, let me know. I'll kick it back out to you. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm the point guard. I got the ball all the time, but he's telling me to give the ball to him. And then if he wants to give me a shot, he'll give it back to me. So we had some words back and forth. And man, he quit talking to me for about two weeks. We sit right opposite <laughs> each other on the plane. He was on one aisle, say, row five. I was in B and he was in C. So we were facing right opposite each other because I wanted to be as close to him as I could as a rookie just to learn about the game. And plus, I was a huge fan. And man, mm-hmm. he quit talking to me for about two weeks. He told Clyde Drexler. <laughs> he told Clyde that I disrespected him. I was like, I disrespect. I said, first of all, I'm a grown-ass man. I'm 27 years old. You know, but he, he was really <laughs> the type of guy that, it, that if he felt like you disrespected him, oh, man, he wouldn't talk to you. And I'll tell you another great story. You know, one day after practice, you know, practice is over. And Dream was always the first guy at practice, and he was always the last guy to leave. Mm-hmm. That's why he was so good, man. He really worked on his game. And I tell you, the, the bigger the opponent, like if we were playing against Shaq or Patrick Ewing or David Robinson, you could just see his focus was totally different. A lot of a lot of good guys or star players don't play as well against the greats, but Dream always raised his level when he played against the great players. Absolutely. One day he came up to me and he said, hey, you want to play one-on-one? And I was like, one-on-one? I can't guard you in the post. And he was like, no, we'll play from the perimeter. And I was like, from the perimeter? I was like, oh, I'm about to kill him. <laughs> You know, <laughs> he checked the ball, man. And next thing I know, Dream is out there handling the rock like a damn guard, shaking me, shooting jumpers. And I'll tell everybody, if Dream was playing today, there ain't no doubt in my mind, he'd be shooting threes because he was a phenomenal three-point shooter. But in mm-hmm. those days, you know, the coaches didn't let didn't let big guys play on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He would he would be he is perfect for today's nba like this system in the nba and i always tell people the exact same thing i'm like if you just took 
prime dream and drop them in this era where you encourage more. It's more of a spread floor outlook, shoot the threes. Um, obviously, he would still go into the post, but if you unlock the three point shot as well, oh my goodness! Oh, and then his handles, man. I'm telling you, his ability to, to create his own mm-hmm. shot off the dribble for a guy that was 6'10, 6'11 was amazing. I tell you, we were playing Orlando Magic. I'll never forget it. It was a Christmas Day game. We were down in Orlando playing on Christmas. And he was telling me before the game, wow, this guy, this guy is so strong. You know, I, I, I just, I can't bang with him in the post. So I want you to give it to me quickly. And I was like, excuse me? He said, yeah, give it to me quickly. So he wanted me to give the ball to him early in transition so he can get the ball against Shaq on the perimeter and take Shaq off the dribble. And that's exactly what he did. He used to give Shaq fits, man. He said, because I, I can't bang with that guy in, in the post. He's, he's too strong. Is how he used to talk about it. But, uh, <laughs> Just the, the second greatest player I ever saw in my era. You know, Michael Jordan obviously was the best, but I thought Dream was mm-hmm. right behind him. Abs- uh, unbelievable, man. That I yeah. love to hear that, you know, because Dream like seems like such a character, only naturally. And to hear the things like, uh, you know, that your stories were stuff that we wouldn't normally hear at all, I think. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Oh, I mean, was, I'm make- telling you, man, I, when, when I knew he was at a different level, we, we played mm-hmm. the San Antonio Spurs with mm-hmm. David Robinson. And they had given David Robinson the MVP the year before. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at him in warm-ups, and I can tell. We had played a few games already. You know, we playing the average teams. He was just out there smiling, warming up. When we played San Antonio, I could tell his whole demeanor, his whole focus was different. So I, went, I turned to Sam, and I said, damn. I said, Sam, what's wrong, man? Something, something looked different about Dream. He was like, oh, he's pissed. I was like, he's pissed? He was like, yeah. He said, you know, he, he thinks he should have been the MVP and David Robinson got his trophy. He said, he's about to tear David Robinson's ass up. I said, what? He said, oh, yeah, he's still pissed off about it. And, man, he went out there and just ate David Robinson alive. I mean, he was just the ultimate competitor, man, and uh, really nice guy. But you talk about physical, and if the time came where you need to hit or elbow somebody, you better watch out because he'll take your damn – I mean, he elbowed Deadly Shrimp one time. You mentioned the Seattle Supersonics. When we played, he elbowed down the shrimp one time, and I thought he was going to take his damn head off his neck. I mean, that's how hard he man. It was amazing. Yeah, Dream was, Dream was the ultimate warrior, man. There's no doubt about that. You get, you're talking oh, man, about, like, it. 90s basketball in a nutshell, the elbow to, elbow to the face. Like, that's mm-hmm. that just no, no, no technical foul, no ejection, no nothing, you know? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, they said the league's soft now, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it's nope. a different game, man. Intimidation is no longer a factor because really and truly intimidation was a part of the game back then. Absolutely. I, I, I just want to say one thing real quick, though, because I did see your stat line when you did play with the with the Rockets. And I saw that you averaged what I, if I see correctly, I think 90 field goal percentage, about 41, I think 42 percent from three and about 89 percent. Yeah, 88, 89 percent from the free throw line. Yeah. Eldridge, you would if we were to dro- dropping Hakeem into the NBA is one thing. Dropping you in today's NBA, you would. I feel like you would have just lit up the NBA, considering that the three three point was your forte. I feel like you it would have been nice, man. I tell you, because no? I can't ever remember shooting maybe more than seven threes in a game. So when I see Steph Curry shooting 18, 20 times for three point range, I'm just <laughs> like, wow, you know, from the distance that he shoots from. But uh, I love playing with the Rockets, man. And, and, and when they got rid of me and I think they brought in Matt Maloney, I was mm-hmm. crushed, man, because I, I, I felt like I was – I knew I was a better player than Matt Maloney. But then they got rid of the whole damn team, so it wasn't enough for me to be upset about. They brought in Charles Barkley. And then, of course, you guys know they also brought in Scottie Pippen. But things never did mesh and work out. Um, mm-hmm. 
they were trying to do the best that they could. I know, and they thought it was going to help them, but it but it backfired. You know. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes consistency is key, man. Even though they won two titles and um, they believed from what I had read, obviously they said that, you know, with the way the Sonics would play defense on dream, like a pseudo zone when it was still legal at that point in time, like they just believed that Robert and Sam couldn't contribute in the same way that Charles would. I mean, the next year they won in the series, but then Utah could eat our lunch. As I mean, like with the way that the team was built in 95, 96, if you had faced Utah instead of Seattle, you probably would have whooped them up, you know? Well, not only that, I think if we could have stayed healthy, we had some serious injuries that year, you know, dream was hurt for a while. Mario Mm -hmm. Elliott was hurt for a while. You know, we, we, we had, we had some injuries. I think if we could have been healthy and I, I didn't really play in the playoffs, which was, which really disappointed me. I, I thought I could have helped the team, but they just didn't see it that way, man. Like you said, we ended up getting swept by the Sonics, mm-hmm. which really sucked because I was from Seattle. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the Sonics went on and made it to the finals that year and, of course, lost to the Bulls. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, in regards to, you know, like the Bulls, I, I read a story about how you were lighting it up in Atlanta against uh, the Bulls and Jordan, man. And then the second half, MJ decided, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guard up my boy Eldridge. Oh, I got to I gotta know about this. Because I heard, yeah, I read. Man, I, I read. tell you what, Mike, Mike is the greatest I've ever seen with my own uh-huh. eyes, man. I, I, can't, uh, I can't knock Kareem, Will, and Oscar Robinson, but, but, but from the time in the 90s when I entered the league, I haven't, the only person I've seen close, honestly, uh, I know everybody talks about LeBron, but the only person I've seen close to Mike is Kobe. Mm-hmm. I think Kobe's the only guy that has that kind of drive offensively and defensively, man. I mean, I call Kobe Bryant Michael Jordan's shadow. I don't think he's as good as Michael, but he's right there just like his shadow. And I remember mm-hmm. the first time I played against him was with the Rockets, 95, 96. They built it as the, you know, the game of the year, the, the, the best team from the East, which was the Bulls, <laughs> that had won the two previous championships versus the Rockets, who had won the last two. So I was like, oh, man, and we got, I think we got crushed. <laughs> I remember him being on me like, like, like white on rice, man. So I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, damn, did, did, did somebody tell him I said something about him or something? Because, I mean, he was guarding me like I was Clyde Drexler. So I was like, wow. You know, my rookie year when I played against the superstars, they didn't know who the hell I was, man. So they weren't paying no attention mm-hmm. to me until I knocked down a couple jumpers. Then they would guard me, right? But from right out of the gate, man, Mike was on me like white on rice. So after a few possessions, I went to him and I said, hey, man, you know, why are you guarding me so tight? And he looked me dead in my eye and he said, man, I just I just want you to know why I'm considered the best. And I said, damn, you know, because a lot of superstars, if a, if a guy's not at that level, they won't play him hard. They won't take him serious. But he was on me like white on rice, man. So you fast forward a couple of years later, we're playing the Bulls in the playoffs and Steve Kerr's guarding me, and I'm, I'm giving Steve the business. I think I had like 12 in the second quarter. The Bulls called a timeout. <laughs> and coming out of the timeout, Michael's standing in front of me. So I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm here to shut you down. <laughs> so I started laughing, and I don't think I scored anymore after that, man. Oh, this, my that damn God. Good, man. He, he was the real deal, man. You see Hollywood movies where they write scripts? Mm-hmm. But I honestly don't think Hollywood could write a script to perform better than Michael did in the actual game. You knew what the Bulls were going to do. You knew what he was going to do. And you just couldn't stop it, man. He, he, he was that good. Man. I'm, like, astonished at that I know. Story, this is man. great. We're fans. <laughs> we're fans of, we're fans well, of the Imagine me. Game. I was a fan yeah. at the time. You know? <laughs> I was a fan, too. You know, you see yourself out there going – 
I mean, you're face to face with him. He was yeah. guarding me one time, you guys. I'm not gonna lie, man. I thought I was being double teamed. Uh-huh. That's how. That's the type of pressure that he put on you, and that's mm-hmm. why I have, you know, I've all of my athletic gear, all my shoes. They're mostly Jordans because I just respect the dude, man. I mean, like I said, he never he never took possessions off. I don't give a damn if you were a starter, you were the last guy on the bench. He played against everybody the same way. Just the ultimate competitor, man. You know, when when, when I see people spending their hard-earned dollars on, on games and they're talking about low management, so-and-so is taking a night off, man, Dream and Mike never did that. They gave people their money's worth. You know, they mm-hmm. they really did. And I, I think when you bought a ticket to see Elijah Wan or you bought a ticket to see Michael Jordan, you left that arena thinking, wow, I got my money's worth because they were going to deliver. I think I think that's so telling because you were talking about the likes of Akeem and Michael and now Kobe. I really feel like Kobe was the last of that era where no matter what broken finger, hurt shoulder, any injuries, hurt wrist, Kobe would find a way to continue to play to give the fans their money's worth. You're exactly right. The load management. So I guess my question regarding that is because you were talking about Kobe as well. Were you able to play a few games against Kobe? You were able to kind of just touch and feel and, Oh, yeah. I played against Kobe as well. Yeah. Young Kobe, too. He was the real deal, man. You know, his rookie year, I played against him. You know, I was I with the was I was with the Rockets. He was with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And he elbowed me. So I said, did this fool just elbow me? And he said, yeah, I elbowed you. I'm going to elbow you again. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you can hit me again if you want. But he's the closest that I've seen to Mike, man. I'm, I'm talking about as far as skill set, athleticism, mental toughness, drive. I mean, Kobe was driven, man. I hated him. I didn't hate Mike. You know, I, I respected Kobe, but I didn't like him, you know, because he was arrogant. He was an asshole, man. I'll be honest with you. He was an asshole. <laughs> I never thought, I never I thought of Mike like that. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's how Kobe yeah. was. He didn't like it. He let you know it. And, but but fast forward, I think the year was 2016. The, the All-Star game was in Toronto. I think that might have been his last his last year. Yep, um, 2016 was his last year, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I brought my son to the All-Star game, and, I, you know, I approached him after the game and asked him, if he wouldn't mind taking a picture and signing an autograph. He's like, sure, L. He was real cool and gracious with his time with my son. I was kind of surprised. And I said, well, damn, you always act like an asshole on the court. He was like, yeah, man, I always wanted to have the upper hand. You know, I couldn't act like no nice guy. But he was really <laughs> cool. So it just goes to show he was one person on the court. He was somebody else off. And I got, I had a lot of respect for Kobe, man. I was devastated like everybody else two years ago when he tragically passed away. Yeah, absolutely. No, really. It was it was heartbreaking, shocking, and yeah. You know, but it, it it's it's unfortunate, you know. It really is. Yeah. It really, really is. But it's yeah. also like stories like yours that you tell is what keeps his legacy living going on, man. Like we don't get to hear stories like that all the time, you know. We just hear what the media says, and oh, to hear man, stories yeah, from someone like you, I think it's a big time. deal. But I'm telling you guys, man. The first time I mm-hmm. saw him, you know, we played the Lakers. Me and Chucky Brown were the closest on the Rockets team, and I'm looking at Chucky, and I'm telling Chucky, okay. "Damn, Chuck, this dude's gonna be nice." He's like, "Yeah, I don't know." I say, "Man." He gonna be the truth. I'm telling you, you can just see it. You can just see the drive. I mean, he was taking uh-huh. shots his rookie year. He was missing game winners and stuff, but you could just see that he was up for the challenge, man. And uh, everything that I hear and everything that I saw with my own eyes, he just was a really, really hard worker who loved the game and, and wanted to be the best. And like I said, he, he's the closest to Mike that I've ever seen. Agreed. Absolutely. Not even not even close. I, I, I always believe that when people talk about LeBron and Michael, I'm, I really think you're comparing apples to oranges just because of the fact that the way LeBron plays is I think LeBron's style is completely different. He, it is. It's totally not, different. And he's not a guard. You know, you look at LeBron. I think LeBron is a combination. When I when I see LeBron, I see a combination of Magic Johnson 
and Julius mm-hmm. Irvin and Dr. J. You know, when you when you look at Kobe, Kobe's just a carbon copy. I don't know. You guys have seen the video where they're showing all the moves oh, that Kobe yeah, does, yeah. just like Mike. Mm-hmm. You can tell he studied Mike's game. And then LeBron just doesn't have that killer. He doesn't have that killer instinct, man. LeBron wants to make the Mike the right play. Kobe and Mike didn't give a damn if you were open. You know, mm-hmm. they were trying to win the damn game. <laughs> you know it's what I mean? True. I mean, hell, <laughs> LeBron had passed to me or you guys and we're open with the game on the line because that's just the way he is. That's just his nature. But I think Kobe was just, he was just like Mike, man. He, he was a killer. Just like Elijah Wan was a killer. Sometimes, you know, Gene was double teamed. And I know in his mind, he felt like that was a better shot being double teamed than it was kicking to, <laughs> to a guy that was wide open. And you couldn't argue with it because most of the time he would score. That's why they're the greats. I mean, you're yeah. absolutely right. That is why yeah. the, that's why they're considered they will go down as legends. So yep. absolutely. You got it. Repeat after me. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. I, Kevin, take you, Susan. It's a Jamie from Progressive. Shh, Jamie. No, it's all right. I can talk. Progressive protects you 24-7, which means you can contact us anytime. Hmm. I'm getting a loud shh sound, so I'm going to talk louder. What can I help you with today? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Progressive can do that. Ugh, there's that noise again. Hold on. Let me put you on speaker. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. What's up, y'all? It's Samoa Bro, a.k.a. Sean from Shots and Thoughts, and you are listening to the Summit State of Mind podcast. All right, Eldridge, let's move on. Um, do you have you watched uh, any? Ro- I know that like you you spent the one year here, and and you from what we can know, you enjoyed your experience, which is fantastic. But yep. uh, fast forwarding up until now, especially from like from the Harden days up to the rebuilding stages now with the Rockets, have you been able to keep track of the Rockets at all? I know you 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 know you still watch basketball today, so have you been? Oh able to yeah, man, my sister lives in Pearland, so my sister lives oh, in Houston. Nice. I'm in Houston almost every year. But not oh, only that, awesome. I, I was down in I was down in Houston this August. I thought I was going to get the TV job. I interviewed for the color commentator position, and uh, I really thought I was going to get it, man. But it didn't work out. They ended up giving it to Ryan Hollins, and I think Mario Ellie. Is doing some studio work with along with uh with Calvin Murphy, but mm-hmm. but yeah, so I was down there in August, man. I was I was I was pumped up, man. I was excited. I really thought, oh. you know, I've been doing TV with the Pac-12 Network for seven years now, so I felt like like I was ready. And being a former a former Rocket, I really thought that that would help, but but hell, it didn't. And uh, so I was disappointed. But oh yeah, of course I I, I keep up with the team. I'm a, I'm a huge Kevin Porter fan. Kevin Porter Jr. is from Seattle, so I've been watching that young man since he was in the ninth grade. I love Jalen Green. I just think he's fantastic. I think he's the best player in this year's draft. I definitely believe he's a better athlete um, than, than, than Kay Cunningham. And, uh, you know, the Turkish guy, I, I, I love watching him. Of course, Stephen Silas was an assistant coach on my Charlotte Hornets team under his dad, Paul Silas. That's right. So I've got that connection there. Bill Rowell. Uh, Matt Bullard, Calvin Murphy, Clyde. I talk to those guys all the time, man. So yeah, I'm I'm really connected to the I'm really connected to the Rockets. I keep up with them. That's fan. That's fantastic. That's awesome, what's, what's been your overall opinions it. though, in terms of like they're where they are now from where they were before? Obviously, from James Harden. Now they're rebuilding. But um, what steps do you think they need to continue to do as they continue to try to build a contender for like the next few years? I just think they got to keep this group together. You know, they got a good, really, really talented group, but they're young, man. And I, I'll say this is going to blow some people's mm-hmm. mind, but I've, I've been watching Kevin Porter Jr. since he was in ninth grade. 
And that dude was like he is right now in the ninth grade. <laughs> he's that cold, and I tell everybody, I think he's a James, he's a more athletic James Harden. And people kind of look at me and say, whoa, wait a minute. But I'm telling you guys, he's that good, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you guys know, Rainier Beach High School produced Nate Robinson, Jamal Crawford, Doug Christie, Deshante Murray. I mean, all the baddest dudes. I don't know what the baddest high school is in Houston, but Rainier Beach is the baddest damn high school in Seattle. <laughs> and it's probably one of the baddest damn high schools in the country. If you can go there and start as a freshman, man, you got to be bad as hell. And that's what Kevin Porter did. And I just think he's wow. got that kind of talent. He's got wow. some off the court issues, and he's still a little immature. <laughs> but if he can get a, if he can find a good mentor and keep his head on right, man, I think the sky's the limit for that young man. I think he can be an all star in this league. And I feel the same way about Jalen Green, Josh Christopher. You know, I call Pac twelve oh, games. I'm actually, uh, I love I'm that actually guy, making man. my debut with ESPN tomorrow on Thursday. I got a USC versus Arizona State game where Josh Christopher went. So I, I watched him when he was. At Arizona State, I don't. Yeah, I even had one of his games when they played the University of Washington. So I love the young group that they have. I just think they got to try to find some way to keep mm-hmm. them together. I'm not saying they're going to end up like Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, but they've got some nice young pieces that if they can keep together are going to be really good two, three years down the line. Oh, yeah. I mean, KPJ has been he's been uh, turning it up the past, like what, Ken, like eight to 10 games like his uh, assists have gone up. His turnovers have gone dramatically down and you could just tell that his vision on the court has gone next level. The game has slowed down for him and he's been really he's been picking his uh, his moments of when to take over shooting wise or when to find the best shot for his team. And we saw a lot of that last night. I mean, we may have saw a little bit of mistakes, but that's a part of the growth in regards to his learning curve. But from what we've seen is just, it's been unbelievable to watch him make game winning shot after game winning shot after game winning shot. And just to see how his eyes have been on the pick and roll. He's been a lot more aggressive coming off there, being very strong and finding wood on the roll and also finding like guys like Garrison Matthews off of these flare screens. So it's been really, it's been really nice to see that, part of his growth and guys like Josh Christopher, man, like we didn't know what to expect coming into the year, but Josh was expected to be in the G league. We didn't expect him to have a a rotation spot and he's worked his ass off to get there. And he's played with so much energy off the bench that he's just been someone that's been so crucial in regards to bringing energy for the team. Like anytime the team is feeling kind of down or looking kind of down, he comes in the game and he changes the whole complexion. And it's been something that's been so, so nice to see in regards to a season in which we've lost what 36 games can. Yep. And you know, like those little bright spots are huge. You know, I think it's going to pay dividends. All the, all the, all the playing time and experience these guys are getting are going to pay huge dividends. I was actually in Vegas and caught a couple of the Rockets. Like I said, I was trying to get the, the, the color commentator job. So I was in I was in Vegas and saw the summer league. And the thing that stood out the most to me about Josh Christopher that I didn't see when he was at Arizona State, because I don't know if you guys know his team there. There was a young man named Remy Martin who's at Kansas now. That was mm-hmm. a preseason All-American. He was a preseason Pac-12 player of the year. But somebody forgot to tell Josh Christopher because every time <laughs> he got the rock, he was trying to shoot that sucker. So I didn't really see the defense that he's playing now with the Houston Rockets in the NBA. And when I was at the Vegas summer league, I was like, oh, wow, man. He's accepting the challenge and getting after it defensively. So you think mm-hmm. about Josh Christopher, Christian Wood, Jalen Green, Kevin uh, Kevin Porter Jr., 
the Turkish kid, what is it, Alperin? Yeah, Alperin Sengun. When you think yeah. about those guys, man, I mean, that's a really, really good young nucleus, especially mm-hmm. with the way the NBA plays today. Um, so I, I just think I just think the sky's the limit for him. And Stephen Silas is a young head coach. He's been in the NBA for 20 years as an assistant, but he's new to the head coaching thing. But a great guy, man, uh, the nicest guy you want to meet. Like I said, he was an assistant with the Charlotte Harness when I was there. So I expect two, two three years from now, the Rockets is going to be a problem. And Kevin Porter Jr. can create his own shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I've always been Easily. impressed with about him. Easily. Just like James Harden, but he's, he's more athletic than James is. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll go to the hole and dunk on you right-handed better than some right-handed players can. I mean, he's just straight <laughs> nasty, man. That, that kid's talented. That's why they call him Scoop. Come after <laughs> <laughs> they call the young man Scoot, and he's gonna get better with time. And and when people talk about the immaturity, I'm like, he's 21. Um, he entered the league in 19. He'll continue to get better with age. Yeah, I he's absolutely... gonna be a stud, I think, man. If he could just keep yeah. his nose clean, he's gonna have a really, really good NBA career. He got a perfect oh, yeah. match being in Houston, after all. You know, we gotta believe in him. Coach John Lucas is there too, so you know, it's gonna be, it's it's perfect setup for him. I'm excited to see what the future holds for him, but mm. um. Let's move forward. I did want to ask you, because before we drafted Jalen Green, there was a guy from USC that was on the top three that that was in the top three it was Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. I know you were in the Pac-12. I know yep. you call games for them. I know you got to see Evan Mobley in person. Did and, and you already I think you already kind of gave me the answer. But did you think that for that Rockets for this nucleus here? Did we make do you think that the Rockets made the right pick by getting Jalen Green and or should we have kind of taken a better look at Evan Mobley? Evan Mobley's a stud, you know, but hell, Jalen Green's a stud as well. I guess they just figured they, they had more need at, at the guard position than at the big position. And I'll tell you guys about Evan Mobley. I, I, I called several of his games his freshman year, and uh, no ego, man. Mm. Does whatever it takes to win. And I really see Evan Mobley being like Anthony Davis. I don't think he's reached his peak for his offensive potential, but he's a damn seven-footer that can shoot the jumper, handle the rock. He can take it off the glass and bring it up, but he understands his role. He doesn't play outside of his game. Great, great, great attitude, man. I don't see an ego like, oh, you know, I'm the SHNIT. Can't nobody tell me nothing. I don't think the Rockets could have went wrong with either pick. But like I said, obviously they thought they had more need at the guard position. But I really think that Evan Mobley is going to be a perennial all-star. And he's probably going to be the rookie of the year this year. He's having that great of a season with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Absolutely. I think it's going to be between him and Cade. Yep. <clears throat> Unfortunately, unless Jalen just goes on the run of runs after the All-Star break, but it really looks like it's head-to-head between Cade and Evan, and I think Evan is edging out um, Cade as of right now. So we'll see what happens. But I do want to ask you another question as regards. So, you, you know, you've, you've done the Pac-12, and you've done the – you've done you've – done, um, you've been an analyst for there for, like, the past seven years, like you said, right? Yes. And um, what's the transition been like? I'm just curious. Like, you know, you were an NBA player, you know – Getting getting buckets on the Rockets, getting buckets in the PBA, you know, just being a bucket getter. And then, what's the, been the change like, or and what inspired you to kind of transition into that life? You know what? I never thought I would be doing TV, man. That, that's the crazy part about it. Uh, when I finished playing, I went right into real estate investing. I was a real estate investor, and I always thought I'd be a coach. But after ten years of being out of the league, when I finally tried to get into coaching, I, I wasn't even getting return calls from people that I know which was mind blowing to me. And uh, I started doing radio, you know, cause I love the game. So I started calling some high school games on the radio out here on the station called KJR. That's pretty big. And um, the next thing I know, I was trying to get in the, in the television and was fortunate enough to get a break uh, from a lady named Odalay Hawkins, 
who's uh, the talent director for the Pac-12 Network back then. And, and, and now I just love it, man. You know, uh, I, I love calling games. I, I love watching all up-and-coming talent. And But the, the transition, I, I'll be honest with you, the transition is tough. You know, you go from playing in the NBA where everybody knows who you are. I mean, we would get in – we'd get into Toronto 3 o'clock in the morning, and there will be 30, 40 people with the Houston Rockets. With, playing with the Houston Rockets after they won the championship was like traveling with the goddamn Beatles or, or the Jackson 5 or something, man. I don't know who the hottest group is now today because everybody's solo. But you guys are young, so I guess – <laughs> Traveling with Drake or Jay Z or somebody, it was like, <laughs> there was always a mob of people, you know. So going from the limelight, everybody knowing who you are. I mean, my one year in Houston, I don't think I ever paid for a meal out at the restaurants. I had a free car to drive. I mean, it was just, it was unreal. Everywhere I went, somebody knew who I was. Then all of a sudden, you retired. You try to figure out what you're gonna do. You'd have made some money, and I think a lot of guys go into business for themselves and end up getting themselves in trouble. But it took me two. It took me about two years to figure out what I wanted to do. And like I said, I ended up going into real estate. But as you guys know, 2008, 2009, maybe you guys were too young to remember, the, was just the real estate crash. Yep. And then I was like, oh, wow, what the hell am I going to do? So I started to try to get into coaching and it just never happened. And fortunate enough for me, um, I was able to get into broadcasting. Uh, you know, I've been knocking on doors, man. I, I just happened to shoot Clyde a text this summer just out of the blue. Clyde, what's up, man? You know, we started talking, blah, 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 blah. I didn't even know he wasn't doing TV anymore. So he told me he wasn't doing TV. I said, well, hell, if they hired somebody, he was like, no, I don't think they hired anybody yet. So I was like, damn, let me pick up the phone and try to see who I can contact to see if I can get a shot at. So I reached out to Matt Bullard, Calvin Murphy, everybody. They, they hadn't hired anybody yet, even though I was late, late, late. But I was fortunate enough to get an interview. And like I said, hopefully one day I can get in the NBA and be a color commentator with somebody in the NBA even though I love doing college basketball, I think the NBA is just the, that's the best athletes in the world, mm -hmm. man. And uh, I was trying to tell people, it's like, oh, well, the Rockets going to suck. I said, they might not win a lot of games, and I'll be damned if they ain't going to be entertaining with all them good young athletes. They got. <laughs> like I said, I know Kevin Porter's game. And then mm -hmm. seeing Jalen Green in the summer league, I was like, wow, they're going to really be good. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And hopefully you find your hopefully you can find your way back into the NBA. That'd be great. And even better if you can find your way back with the Rockets in any capacity. I think that'd be fantastic. We'd love to have you back in the city of Houston on, you know, to be working for the Rockets in some way. That'd be great. Oh, <laughs> man, that'd be awesome. definitely like rooting said, my for sister you. lives there. <clears throat> my mom splits time between me and my sister. And my mom has Alzheimer's. So when I thought about the possibility of being in Houston with my sister and my mom's situation, I just thought. It was like the stars were lining up, man. So hopefully something happens and hopefully something happens in the future. I know Murph is the studio guy. I, I think mm. he's going to retire here pretty soon. So <laughs> I'll definitely throw my hat in the ring for that one. Too. <laughs> anything I can, man. I, I love Houston, man. I, I, I love H-Town. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be rooting for you. We'll be rooting All right, for you. All right. I definitely. appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get ready to go home here, Eldridge. Um, but, you know, we're going back into Houston. One last question. You know, you played for the 95, 96 Rockets. Give me either maybe one, give me your favorite memory or a few of your favorite memories. What What's your fondest moments that you felt when you were in the city of Houston? Oh, my fondest moment. I wasn't even in Houston yet. I just remember, I just remember going down, uh, like I told you, working out for the Rockets with Rudy. He told me we would be in touch, but hell, I had heard that a lot of times before, you know. So didn't really know what was going to happen. You know, my agent was like, just be patient. And I remember it was the summer, you know, the summer of 1995, man. I, I was outside in my yard and my wife was like, telephone. I was like, who is it? She said, I think it's the Houston Rockets. And I was like, the Houston Rockets? 
So I pick up the phone. It was Rudy. He was like, man, we want to offer you a contract. And I just remember letting out this loud scream. It was just like the happiest day of my life, man. So I think that's probably the highlight for me. And then I, I would say the next one is, man, hearing your name in the start lineup for the at the summit, you know, when they would introduce the team, you know, and man, you know, at forward, you know, Clyde Drexler and at guard, Elders Recasting. I mean, just just the electricity and the love and the passion of the Rocket fans, man. I, I don't think I'll I don't think I'll ever forget that. And every time I hit a three, you know, Bill Orrell was like, E for three. You know, it was just, it was crazy. Oh, yeah. So oh, I, I just so loved cool. it. I think that's the thing that it probably uh, yeah. gives me chills the most is just being in the summit, doing those introductions, man, and hearing your name in the starting lineup. You know, sometimes <laughs> I'll just get the video out and I'll replay it. But uh, I just had a great time. I was just happy to be in the damn league. And I'll share this with you guys. I was busting my ass in practice, but I wasn't playing, you know. But I didn't care. I was like, yeah, I'm on the back-to-back world champs. That's all I'm worried about, you know. I'm in the league. I got a job. And then one day Rudy came to me and said, hey, Rook, you know, I see how hard you're working. You know, just stay ready. I'm going to give you a chance. So I was like, okay. But I was like, yeah, he's probably just talking. I'm going to make sure I keep working hard in practice, right? And, man, I'm telling you guys, I'll never forget it. I used to take a nap every day on the game, on game day, even if I wasn't playing. It just was a part of my routine. And we were in Atlanta. And the phone rang about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We had a 7.30 game. And I picked up the phone. I said, hello. He said, Rook, it's coach. I said, yo, coach, what's up? He said, get ready. You're starting tonight. <laughs> I was like, what? He said, yeah, you're starting tonight. Now, we're playing against the Atlanta Hawks. It's Mookie Blaylock. So I'm like, yes. That's what I was trying tonight? to think, yeah. <laughs> I guess Mookie Blaylock. And he said, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, shit, can I start tomorrow night? <laughs> 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 One of the toughest defensive guards in the league. Oh, that was my first man. start, man, against the Atlanta Hawks. And Mookie Blaylock, I was scared to death. I think the first three games, you guys, I don't think I made a damn shot. So Clyde started heckling me, calling me a practice shooter. Dream is laughing. Everybody on the team is laughing. But after I settled down, like I said, I ended up starting for 30 games, man. It just was a it just was a great experience, you know, and something that I'll that I'll never forget. I'll, I'll remember my time with the Rockets, yeah. you know, for the rest of my life. Because that was a that was an opportunity that I got from Rudy T. That's awesome, man. And you were the number three, too. You're the OG number three. I was the number three before, before Steve Francis. Before yeah. Steve Francis, yep. before yep. Chris yep. Paul, before yeah, uh, Kevin yeah. Porter Jr. Man, you were yeah, the man. Yeah, number three. nobody that's more number three has had a jumper sweeter than mine. I'm just hey, saying, hey, see, there you go. Everybody like has that. some better players, but their jumper wasn't pretty. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I tell love the, the people, Eldridge, tell them so they know. Tell the <laughs> <laughs> oh, they know the real Rockets fans know. Hey, man. Oh, you're right. You're right. Man. Jumper. They know, <laughs> man. Your name still comes up, man. Like, we will, yeah, we've, yeah. We've had a few episodes with um few few of our friends that are from Houston, about yeah. a little bit older than us and your name will come up man in rocket oh, no when, yeah. when i'm in the houston airport people are coming up to me all the time man i mean it was so many eyes you think about it you're playing for a team that just won two back-to-back championships so everybody was why more people recognize me from the houston rockets and i only played that one year than <laughs> other seven years that i was in the nba but it it, it goes because of because of elijah Wan, drexler rudy t just a great team man yep uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's just great that Houston, they gave you the opportunity. You know, you were playing in, you know, you were, you had the 10 day contract, but Rudy T, the Houston Rockets, the front office, they gave you that first real contract. So, you know, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's the kind of guy Rudy was though. You know, a lot of, a lot of organizations didn't want to take chances on CBA guys, but myself, Chucky Brown, we were, you know, Larry Robinson the year before. I don't know if you guys remember Larry Robinson. Mm -hmm. He was the assistant. Mm -hmm. We were all teammates. 
Mm-hmm. We were all teammates with the Yakima Sun Kings, and that just was the type of guy Rudy was, man. That's why I respect Rudy so much. He didn't give a damn where you were from. If you could play, you can help the team win. That's what it was all about. And that's why he's the greatest uh, Rockets coach of all time. He's probably one of the he's probably one of the most underrated coaches. Hey, never underestimate the heart of a champion. Rudy T is, is my guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect that's a perfect setup to end the show. If I couldn't even try, right? This is the perfect time to go home. How do you how else do you go home by saying by Eldridge Kasner saying never underestimate the heart of a champion? <laughs> I love it, man. Words from I the do. legend, baby. There you go. El- Eldridge, man, I. First of all, you know, we're going to get ready to go home here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for just, you know, taking time off your day and just, you know, hopping on uh, our Houston Rockets podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, it's been an honor. And this is great hearing stories. You know, we've never we've interviewed one other Rocket and it was Vaughn Wafer. And uh, he's a great he's a great friend of the summit. And we really appreciate him. But our namesake is the summit state of mind. That is who we are. It is born from where you played, from that 90s bat, from the 90s Rockets, the championship era. So it's truly an honor to have you just come on our show. And we really appreciate you. And I know my brother appreciates you too, because you're honestly one of his <laughs> favorite guys. He was very <laughs> excited. Like between, like just between us, and I'm going to put it on the recording too, but he was very excited. He was like, Eldridge oh, Kasner, I think he's going to come on our pod. And I was like, dude, that's- <laughs> he's got to be a diehard fan if you remember. Yeah, me. But, but I appreciate you guys reaching I- out, man. I, I didn't know who you guys were, so I reached out to Craig Ackerman. I mean, he told me he had just done a podcast with you guys. And if there's any way that I can help you guys get guests, I know all of, I know all the former players, man, for the Rockets. So if there's any way that I can help you guys, I, I don't mind at all. Oh, man, thank you so much, dude. We really yeah, appreciate no, you guys it. Yeah, you guys great, man. I do a lot of these things. It's, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought you guys asked some great questions. And uh, I just hope I share some stuff with your fans that they could appreciate, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, you did, man. I need the I need the plug though, Eldridge. We my brother's been wanting your jersey for ages. We don't we can't. <laughs> he was like, he was like, he was like, he's like, I'm gonna ask Eldridge or Kasner where if he, if he has any jerseys left. <laughs> I don't have no jerseys, man. Everybody wants the jersey. I, I I've got one. I gave one to my sister that lives in Pearland, and that's the only two that I had. Like I told you guys, the league, the teams just wouldn't give you stuff back then. I probably right. stole those too without them knowing about it. Yeah. <laughs> I hey, love it, there, man. I love it. You were there it. for a year. They're there for a year, right? So perfect. Okay, yeah. well, that's awesome. Thank you once again, Eldridge. That's Eldridge Kasner at the summit. Uh, let me roll out the red carpet for you, Eldridge. Uh, let the people know, let our let our listeners know, you know, uh, if there's anything you want to plug, anything that you want to say. Uh, I know you're doing the game. Congratulations, by the way. You're gonna be on ESPN this Thursday, right? This Thursday, yep. ESPN two is USC versus Arizona State on Thursday. I believe it's gonna be 10 o'clock. Uh, Houston time. Uh, I'm on Twitter at E. Rick Kasner. Um, I'm on IG at E. Rick Kasner. Uh, and I work for the Pac-12 Network. So if anybody want to catch my games, that's where the bulk of them are on the Pac-12 Network. I usually call the University of Washington, Washington State, Oregon, and Oregon State games. But uh, thanks again for having me on, guys. It was a great time, man, reminiscing about my time with the Rockets. Like I said, I love Houston. And uh, dreams come true, man. That's all I can tell you. The Rockets – made my dream come true there's no better way to end it right here we're gonna end it right here that was perfect this episode is made possible by pwc when you bring together human ingenuity passion and experience with the latest technology the future starts to look a whole lot smarter which is why the new equation is meeting the future of work today with pro edge 
digitally upskill your entire organization to keep ahead of the curve and drive growth. Learn more at thenewequation.com. The Summit for, 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 for Life.